The passage today is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Good morning. Every endurance athlete will tell you stories where they kept pushing themselves, and each and every one, as they they kept extending themselves more and more in whatever sport they were in, there would come a time where they would hit a wall. And as they hit a wall, it just brought them to a place of, utter defeat, and they couldn't figure out if they could finish the race. Richard Beersley, who's an athlete who does long-distance running, he talks about that time when he hit the wall, and it felt like an elephant jumped out of the tree and made him carry him the rest of the way of the journey. Harvard Health put an article in just before the Boston Marathon, and they talked about what each of these runners is going to go through as they run this race. There's 27,000 plus that run the race. And he says what's going to happen during that time is that they're going to all of a sudden experience a sensation that is overwhelming, and it's this sensation that I cannot do this anymore. And it comes typically just five miles before the end of the race, five miles before they get a chance to experience the glory of crossing the finish line. Spiritually speaking, the truth is we hit the wall often. The struggle's great, pain and suffering in our lives. We feel like an elephant has jumped on our back. We're confused along the journey, we're fearful. And in the spiritual marathon, we go, how can we keep going? But we want to keep going, don't we, as followers of Jesus Christ? But Lord, we keep hitting this spiritual fatigue. And in our passage this morning, we're going to continue to learn that life is an endurance race. Something where we continue to run. And we have to understand that we will hit the wall and we will want to quit at times. But our loving Lord, who's full of grace, has empowered us with his Holy Spirit to keep running this race. He has strengthened us by his grace like Doug taught us last week. And he will help us run today and he's going to help us to get to that place where we have the glory of crossing the finish line. 
So this morning I pray that we would be encouraged as we learn from Paul. How can we endure in the gospel? Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, we do ask that that you would help us in this journey, this endurance race. Father, we need you more than ever. Forgive us when we don't recognize our need for you. Father, we long to continue to run. And we are weary. And we suffer. And we struggle with our faith. And so, Father, I ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would would pour out upon everybody in this body, that you would refresh them, that you would remind them that you run with them. May they be strengthened through your scriptures this morning, I pray. Amen. In the context of 2 Timothy, what we're seeing is, is that Christians are being persecuted all throughout the Roman Empire. And Paul, in his letter to Timothy, is saying, Listen, I want to help you to faithfully endure. And you're going to go through suffering, and as you're going through it, I want you to keep going on. 2 Timothy 1.8 You're going to share in my suffering. I want you to do that for the gospel. Endure like a good soldier, Doug taught us on last week. Endure in such a way that we continue to reign with Christ which we'll look at this morning. What's the truth? Timothy needed to be encouraged again and again to continue to run this race, to endure in his suffering. And what's the truth about you and me? We need the same thing, don't we? We need to be reminded and encouraged as Paul is passing on the baton to the next generation. He's giving an example in his own life of what it means to keep going on. Because we all know this life is a struggle. This life is full of suffering and pain and and disillusionment with what's going on around us. Let's keep running the race together through the power, the resurrection of our Lord, His Holy Spirit. Suffering today isn't much different than what it was in Timothy's time. We may not suffer for the gospel, especially in America, but the reality is thousands and thousands every year are dying because of their love for Christ. They're being martyred. More so than ever in the history of all of mankind. Suffering keeps going on. The problem for us, I think, in America is that we try to avoid suffering at all costs, don't we? We have a struggle, and it's like, let's figure out how to get out of this. Instead of leaning into Jesus, trusting that even though we walk through that valley of deep darkness, trusting the Good Shepherd that He is with us, trusting the Good Shepherd that His rod and His staff will comfort me as He takes me through the valley of deep darkness. Let's keep running the race with him. Let him take us through. Let him do his refining work in us. Paul gives encouragements to Timothy. How can we faithfully endure this? And he gives challenges that give us hope. 
as we suffer for Christ, as we struggle on the journey. And here's the first thing he says to give him hope. How can we endure? We must remember Christ. Raised from the dead, a descendant of David, such as my gospel. We must remember Jesus. Well, that's always the Christian answer, isn't it? In Sunday school class. Every question asked, it's Jesus. Remember Jesus. Well, of course. It's kind of interesting here. Actually, remember is an imperative. It's a command. It's strong. Truth is, Timothy would never forget Jesus. But it is possible for him and for you and me to live in such a way that Christ is not affecting our daily decisions in the middle of the struggle. Do you see that? That's how we can forget Jesus. We're not allowing him in. We're not looking to him to help us through. Christ must be at the forefront of our thinking for us to endure. I love Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. For the joy that was set out before Him, He endured the cross. He disregarded its shame, like Josh taught us about shame culture. And He's taken His seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Think of Him. Think of Jesus who endured such opposition against Himself by sinners Why? This is the key. So that you may not grow weary in your souls and so that you won't give up. He went through all this. He endured so that you won't give up. He's our example. Because He knows we're going to hit the wall on the way. But at the same time, we're going to have spiritual victories in Christ. Hey, I just got past the five-mile mark. Amen. And I'm going to hit another wall, probably. And he's going to lift us up and encourage us and walk with us in our suffering, in our trial. A mind fixed on Christ and not on our trials, our difficulties in front of us, that's what's essential for us to keep enduring. That's what Paul's getting at. You're fixing your mind on what's right in front of you instead of the God who's in control of all of this. The one who is your Savior. The one who is your Redeemer. The one who is your healer and comforter and strength. You're fixing your eyes on the suffering rather than the Savior. Isn't that what happened to Peter? In faith, and he's the only one who did, he got out of the boat in the middle of a storm, and he started walking on water. Wow. There was a whole team just in Israel. They were on the Sea of Galilee with Jackson and Jeannie. Jackson tried to walk on the water. Just didn't didn't work very well. A little wet. What happens when you try to walk on the water and you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, but rather the storm? You start to sink. That's where he lost his focus. He focused on the storm, Peter did. 
instead of the Savior. We must remember Jesus Christ, and we must remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that He is alive. Amen? Hey, here's what we're going to do this morning. This morning to me is like Easter. We got Easter in the middle of the summer. And the fact is that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. And so I want to do the traditional Easter greeting. That He is risen and you will respond, He is risen indeed. Let's do that twice, alright? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen do you believe that? Do you believe it? If we believe that, it should radically impact the way that we live. There's many reasons that Christ's resurrection is important to continually remember. It's why Paul brought it to the forefront. The resurrection proves the gospel message. It proves the gospel message. Corinthians 15. If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless And so is your faith. The resurrection of Jesus. And Paul wanting to encourage Timothy to remember is that we are reminded that Jesus Christ is indeed God. Remember that. It's the ultimate proof that Christ is not just a good man, He's not a prophet. He was indeed the Son of God. He was the first ultimately to rise from the dead. You see, Lazarus Lazarus died and he rose again and then he was going to die again later. But Jesus continues to live. This verb tense, He is risen, is present tense. That means He was raised from the dead and He is alive right now. He's still risen. That should get an amen. Amen? Amen. He's risen. And it reminds us that we too shall be raised from these dead lives of ours into new life and from this life here into eternal life. That's what it does. Timothy, be encouraged to endure. And so should we. Romans 6 speaks, If you've been united with Him in death like His, He will certainly also be united. We will be united with Him in a resurrection with Him. I want you to spend time today in Romans 6. It's all about we've been baptized with Christ, we're raised again with Him. We are placed in Christ. And because we are, we have resurrection life because of Him. Romans 6 today. Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. Corinthians 15:20 says, "Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For just as in Adam all shall die, so also in Christ, guess what? All will be made alive." That's good news. When we're suffering, when we're going through it, We have life now, Ephesians 2. You are made alive in Christ. And then guess what? We get across the ultimate finish line, glory into glory, life into life, because of Jesus. 
because he rose again. He conquered death and sin. Timothy needed to know this. Paul needed to know this in the middle of it. He was the first fruits Jesus was. That the harvest, the first fruits would tell, is the harvest going to be good or it's going to be bad? Well, guess what? Jesus is the first fruits and the harvest is good. He's a resurrected Christ. He is our Savior and He's conquered that. So we can hold on to that. We too shall be made alive with Him. We suffer with Him. We are made alive. We die. We are raised in Christ. Remember! Let's not forget who our Lord is so we can endure. The second area in this, what must we remember about Jesus, is that He's a descendant of David. What a beautiful thing. It reminds us that that Jesus Christ is human. His resurrection reminds us of Christ's deity. His descending from David reminds us of His humanity. Christ had to be human in order to die for us, the blameless, sinless Lamb of God. But He needed to be God to pay for the sin of the entire world for you and me. His humanity means that Christ understands us. He knows what it means to be hungry and thirsty and tired. He knows what it means to hit a wall. Do you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? He knows what it means to be hated by others, to be lied about, to be betrayed by friends, and to ultimately be killed because of his profession of who he was. Timothy, remember this. You are walking the same path as Christ. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This whole passage dispels any notion that the Christian life is just easy street, doesn't it? The Christian life is one where we walk the same path as Christ, and we suffer with Him, and we struggle, but He knows and He understands. He walked it first, and He would walk beside Timothy and Paul just like He walks with us, and He would give them strength to endure. Be strengthened in the grace of Christ. We do not have a high priest, Jesus, Hebrews four fifteen, that is incapable of sympathizing with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he's without sin. So therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Isn't that a beautiful passage? He sympathizes with us in our weakness. When we hit the wall, we have direct access into the throne room of grace. And in that place, we receive restoration and forgiveness and redemption and strength to keep going on. Let us run there when we hit the wall. Or crawl there, whatever it takes. Christ descending from David reminds us that Christ is the promised king All throughout the Old Testament, there would be an everlasting king and kingdom. In Luke 1, 31 through 32, 
33, speaking to Mary, the angel is, you're going to have a child and he will be great and called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. That's another amen. Christ is the reigning king now, and he's our future king. We must remember as we're running this endurance race that his kingdom is what we're running for. We're running in him and in his strength, and we're living life for his kingdom. And that should help us to endure. What are we living for? Are we living for the pleasures of life? Or are we living for his kingdom and his gospel that it would be proclaimed that people would know Jesus? Are you remembering Christ in your trials? Or are you right away going to figure out ways to get out of it? Are you remembering Jesus in your suffering? That he's right there with you. Who knows what reason he has you in this place? But Christ is right there with you. Be strengthened in the grace of Christ. Eyes fixed upon him. Will you help one another to fix our eyes on Jesus as we're running the race together? Sometimes that's just a simple acknowledgement of, Lord, help me to remember who you are that you haven't abandoned me in this place. And Lord, even though my faith is struggling right now, you have not abandoned me here. That's how I think that looks, to remember Jesus. Sometimes it's just to cry out, I still acknowledge you as God. I still acknowledge you as good. And your promises remind me that you are with me. And your Holy Spirit is empowering me to get through this. And I know you take me through. So we remember Jesus, resurrected from the line of David. The second thing we remember is we remember the power of the gospel, that God's word is not bound. My gospel, for which I am suffering, I am bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound at all. When I read this passage, I get this, this image of Harry Houdini. And I get this image of when they used to put chains all over him. And then he would, he would miraculously escape the chains. Everybody's like, how did he do it? He's got the chains all around him and the, and the weights and it's all locked up and he's put in water and he, he escapes being bound. What Paul is saying is the power of the gospel, God's word, is not bound. Harry Houdini, that was trickery. But the God of the universe, that's ultimate power, true power. God's word, his gospel, is not bound. Paul's in prison. He's suffering and struggling. But guess what? His word is not bound. Paul is enduring in the middle of being in prison. That that word endure has the idea of of holding one's ground, bearing up under the pressure, and you, you do that with patience. Patience upon the Lord. 
And we do that not in our own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit. I endure, why? Like Steve prayed this morning, because His steadfast love endures forever in my life. Paul was suffering, struggling in prison. They're treating him like a criminal, and that word is strong there. It's like a violent offender, a murderer, a thief. Those were the ones who were to be tortured. It's the same word of the the ones who were put on the cross next to Jesus. I'm being treated such in such a way. I'm chained, but God's word, his gospel, is not. You see, Christ is the source. He is the word, and his word is living and active, and it's moving around the world. Even though in prison, I'm not able to speak it out. At the same time, God's using me right in the middle of my circumstance. And He's using it in beautiful ways because God's Word is not chained. Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, my situation, I'm struggling here in prison, it's actually turned out to do what? Advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. He ends up sharing the love of Jesus with the prison guards. He may be bound. God's word is not. And it's his suffering that's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget that about our suffering. When we suffer in Christ, with his strength and his help, our suffering proclaims the gospel. Because people go, why is it that you actually have joy in the middle of this incredible trial? I have joy because Jesus is my Savior. I know he has my life in his hands. Do you know him? God's word is not bound. It's alive. In 1930, Stalin ordered the purge of Bibles all throughout Russia. And in Stavropol, Russia... It was incredibly strong there. It was carried out with a vengeance. Thousands and thousands of Bibles were confiscated. Multitudes of believers were sent to the gulags, and, and they, were, they died there as enemies of the state. It was that strong of a persecution on the Word of God and those who followed Jesus. At the end of communism, at the fall of communism, a missionary agency called Commission, they sent a team to Stavropol, And they went to that place, and they were wanting to get Bibles out to people, but they were finding it incredibly difficult. Russia was not sending, Moscow wasn't sending any Bibles over. They were really running into obstacles. While they were there, they heard, you know what? Years and years ago, there was Bibles stored in this warehouse. We believe they might still be there today. So as a team, they got together, and they prayed, and they said, dear God, Help us go ahead of us. And so they showed up at the warehouse, and sure enough, there's still a bunch of guards there. And they went and they approached the guards and they said, We heard there's Bibles in this warehouse. Would you consider allowing us to take some of these Bibles and distribute them to the people in the community? And you know what? They got approval to do that. So they came back with a bunch of trucks and they hired a bunch of local uh, workers 
And there was one college student. He was skeptical. He was agnostic. He was angry. And he just started loading Bibles into the truck. But here's what happened. He kind of disappeared for a while. And so they went to go look for him, and they found him in the warehouse, sitting on a stack of Bibles, and he was weeping. He had actually wanted to pick up a Bible and take it for himself, even though he didn't really want anything to do with God. The Bible he picked up in that stack of thousands and thousands, inside the front cover was his grandmother's handwritten name, a woman who had been persecuted, a woman who had followed Christ to the end, and a woman who you know who was praying for her generations to come. And so that young boy got to receive the gospel of Jesus. David Guzik says the Bible has been attacked more and more than any book in history. It's been burned, it's been banned, it's been mocked, it's twisted, it's ignored, but the Word of God stands forever. The Word of God is not chained. No government, no religious authorities, skeptics, scientists, philosophers, or book burners have ever been able to stop the work of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? His gospel has gone forth triumphantly throughout the history of time. God's Word and His gospel message cannot be chained any more than God himself can be bound up, and he cannot. Have you hit a wall in regards to sharing the gospel? Maybe you've been shut out by some dear friends or or loved ones, your family members. They won't let you share the gospel anymore. Maybe your co-workers have mocked you. You desire for them to know Jesus. You desire for them to have life. I hope you're encouraged this morning by Paul's word to Timothy. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because God's work, God's hand is at work. His Holy Spirit is still moving. We need to endure in a life that continues to do what? We just throw out seed. We just throw out seed. Everywhere we go, we throw out seed. Because it's the power in the germinating seed. That's where life comes from. Not from us. It's the power in the seed. So just throw it out there. Let God do the heart work, the soil work, and trust that He's actually doing that. He continues to work. For us personally, as we hit a wall along the way, I want to encourage you to remember the power of the Word in your life. And so soak in the Word of God. Soak in the Word of God. Read it. I would encourage you especially to read the Psalms when you're going through suffering and trial, when you've just come to a place where you just hit a wall and receive from David and others who went through all of that. Let God encourage you. Let Him place you on that firm foundation. He is the rock. Soak in the Word. And Paul confidently says, even though I'm suffering here, my suffering is a witness of the truth of the Gospel. His Gospel, Paul's was, and the Lord's is unchained. 
Amen to that. Suffering for the elect. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I suffer everything for the sake of the elect. Here's one of the things we're not doing this morning. We're not going to get into the doctrine of election. It is intense, and it takes a lot of work, and there are volumes and volumes and volumes. Did he choose us before the foundations of the world? The scriptures say so. Or did we choose him? Or is it his doing all of his, or is it part of me? What's part of that? Here's the deal. It's a beautiful mystery. Election is. Here's what I do know. I do know that Christ, his desire, his will is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his will. However election looks like in his hand upon each soul, I leave that up to God. With that said, election should motivate us, and it motivated Paul to suffer for the elect so that they could hear the gospel. See, the God who chooses the outcome, election to salvation, he also chooses the means. How are people going to be saved? How are they the elect who come into salvation? It's by the hearing of the word of God, by the preaching of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? That should motivate us to continue throughout seed and preach the gospel, share about who Jesus is. Why? Because we know we know some will respond to that. And they shall be saved. They shall be saved. Do you care about that? God's heart is that none should perish. That all should be saved. But they need to hear the word of God. It was in Acts 13, when the Gentiles heard this, they began to rejoice. And they began to praise the word of the Lord. All who had been appointed for eternal life believed. Beautiful. Peter's in there, he's preaching the gospel. Next thing you know, they're coming to love Jesus Christ. Because they heard it. They heard it. When we endure suffering, we need to remember that the elect need to hear the gospel in order to be saved. I love, I love when people in hospitals and they're near death or they're just really suffering and they're singing praises to God in the hospital. Do you understand what that does for nurses and doctors who don't know Jesus? How is it that these people can keep singing praise? In my suffering, in my suffering, God is doing this. I endure, I endure, I endure, I hold on. How are they to call upon the one that they have not believed in? And how are they to believe in the one they have not heard of, Romans 10? How are they to hear without someone preaching to them? For the people hear the gospel, and in order to hear that, there must be a messenger. And so we just keep throwing out seed. And we always remember who we're running for. Again, your daily life, my daily life, we need to remember who we're running for. And what life is all about. My life is no longer my own. I'm bought with a price. We need to remember the finish line and all that he is doing. Our God is faithful. That's the third thing we need to remember. Our God is faithful. 
In verses 11 through 13, we need to see this. And one of the things you need to see very clearly is that endurance in this life, endurance in this life is a team sport. You cannot miss this. You cannot miss it. He switches from I endure to we, we, we. Endurance is a team sport. Let's remind each other that God is faithful. How do I keep running when I've hit a spiritual wall? When I have discouragement or, or lack of faith? When there's a lot of fear? When sometimes there's too much struggle and I don't know what to do with it? Paul brings encouragement in these final verses. Probably a, an ancient hymn or a baptismal liturgy. The first stanza says, If we've died with him, we will also live with him. It's identical to Romans 6, which you're going to spend time in this afternoon. If we die with him, we will live with him. Resurrection life now. You need to know that. Let's keep enduring. Let's keep running. Second stanza. If we endure with him, guess what? We are also going to reign with him. This is the finish line. We're going to reign with Christ. Eternal glory with him. Third stanza, and this one's a little odd all of a sudden in the middle of it. If we deny him, he will also deny us. There's actually in the middle of this a warning. The the context of this, I believe, is that there were those who were abandoning the faith. They were apostate. Hymenaeus and Philetus, who we're going to see next week, they're they're teaching another gospel, and, and they're just... Basically, they're apostate. They wanted to maybe be part of the Christian club, but then it got hard, and so they abandoned everything about it. But it is a warning, and it's also an encouragement. Timothy, I want you to keep running. Don't be like those who are are running and abandoning the faith. Persevere. Endure. Hold strong like I am. But then... In verse 13, there seems to be this beautiful reversal. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. The third is a warning. The fourth is a promise. Gordon Fee says, Our faithfulness or disloyalty cannot alter the greater reality of Christ's faithfulness. When we lapse into unfaithfulness, here's what's the good news about our God. He's faithful. How encouraging for Timothy, and it should be for us. How encouraging for Peter when Jesus stood with him on the beach and he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my flock. But Lord, I I denied you three times. I know. You were faithless. You struggled on the way. I'm faithful. Feed my sheep. Our God is faithful. What a comfort as we endure on. Why is God like this? Because the scriptures say he cannot deny himself. He's a covenantal God who always acts in conformity to his nature. He cannot be untrue to his nature. You see, God is good. You can never take that away from him. Never. He's always good. He walks with us. That's his promise. He suffers with us. We need to know that. 
He cannot take away. He is faithful. We are not. He's faithful. God looks directly at the heart. He's a just judge. He knows those who are his and those who reject him. Our God is faithful. Romans 8 is not a throwaway verse. He works all things, all things for the good of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are in him. He's working all things together for the good. Sometimes we just throw that out. It's a Christianese verse. No, that's the nature of our God and what he's doing. So let us endure. You know, we may hit the wall in this marathon. But rise again in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And together, together, let us endure in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will minister to us again through your Holy Spirit. We praise you for your resurrection, that you are alive today. We praise you that you are a God who sustains us and helps us in this endurance race. We want to finish that line, cross finish line. We want to cross it. And so, Father, help us to do so. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise. You are the risen Christ. Amen.